celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And here is the toll-free number, 1-866-405-8405, to reach out to Dr. Debbie or to Joey Villani. Uh, of course, you can also ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. Uh, today, we're going to have the higher authority, the monks of New Skeet, Woo! will be joining us. Yeah. Uh, brother Christopher, they have a brand new book out. Mm-hmm. And these guys, let me tell you something. They, uh, they actually make their money. They make a living off of training dogs and the books. Yeah, they're yeah. awesome. I have, I gotta admit, I've read each of their books so far. And I bought them specifically before I got my large, uh, herding breed dog because I, I really needed to make sure I could manage her. I have some serious questions for them. Of course, Halloween, a fun event around here at the, uh, Animal Radio Studios, but, when the doorbells ring, Ladybug <laughs> goes ballistic. And, of course, they ring every five minutes. And then there's always somebody there in a costume. She goes absolutely crazy. So I'm going to ask, hopefully, Brother Christopher has some answers for me uh, today. Also, you know, Thanksgiving, she's a big beggar at the table at Thanksgiving. And at Christmas time, when we put the Christmas packages around the Christmas tree, sometimes she lifts her leg. <laughs> and, Ooh. Yeah. She's marking it for herself. Marking her, just like the kids that go unwrap their Christmas presents <laughs> and then wrap them back together before Christmas. To try Christmas. to tape it up, yeah. Yeah. So hopefully Brother Christopher will have answers for us. Also on today's show, Dr. Debbie has brought it to our attention that we need to learn baby talk. Apparently we don't talk to our animals in that baby talk voice as much as, as we should. And she uses this at her practice all the time. She uh, breaks that barrier with the animals by having a, a little baby talk conversation. Do they talk? It's very powerful. Do they talk back to you? <laughs> sometimes, but sometimes it's just a wag of a tail or a lick, or you can just see in their body language that they're at ease. So, yeah. Well, if you were listening last week, you uh, know that I'm horrible at baby talk. So I'm going <laughs> to. So bad. So bad. I am pretty bad. And Lori's pretty bad, too. So I am too, yeah. Lori and myself, we're going to learn a lot today, and we're going to teach you, or Dr. Debbie's going to teach you, how to baby talk. And you can use this on your husband, too. It works very effectively on your husband. <laughs> you know, I'm not a baby person, so ba- I always say babies don't like me, so maybe I just don't have that baby thing about me. <laughs> This is true. Anytime a baby gets around Lori, they start screaming. Lori, I got to say, I bet if I put a baby bulldog in front of you, you soften in ways that you don't even know you do, and you change the tone of your voice. So I just put a little picture of a baby bulldog right in front of you, and who can't just go? Skinny puppy is fine. I'm a sucker for puppy breath. (laughs) And you're a single woman, too, huh? I know. Imagine that. Yeah. So what are you working on over there in the newsroom, Miss Brooks? Well, I'm doing some investigating. Hemp is a really popular uh, product now in for all kinds of things, but and it's also going into to pet products. Um, frankly, I still get confused on hemp, cannabis, and all that stuff. I think one is an ingredient in another or something. But hemp products, if you like them because they are big sellers, a lot of states are cracking down on it because it's an unapproved ingredient not approved for animal feed, according to the government. So we'll tell you the latest in some of the states that are affected. Mm, I know Planet Dog makes those hemp collars. Yeah, but you don't eat a collar. You're not supposed to. Uh, you haven't seen my dog. <laughs> <laughs> Joey, what are you working on for the show today? Well, you know, we talk about hygiene and we, you know, we talk about haircuts and all. But one thing I want to discuss, I want to talk about a little bit about oral hygiene because I think a lot of people have misconceptions of what they can use, how they use it, and how frequently. So we're going to talk about that. 
That's on the way. Uh, let's go to the phones. Which one, Judy, are we going to? We're going to go to line one. Okay. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by VetraScience. Just like their owners are very dear pets, they get older. The joints stiffen up and jumping for joy is a little more difficult. Glycoflex hip and joint supplements from VetraScience help support joint health. Thank you, VetraScience, for underwriting Animal Radio. Let's go to George. Hey, George, how are you? I have a uh, question for Dr. Gary. I have um, three uh, children in the house, so to speak, two adopted children, two cats, and a dog. Okay. And uh, all of them were Thank goodness so, you said uh, they're not human children because I don't deal no. with human children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you got it. So anyway, my, um, so anyway okay. my, my problem is, or my situation is, that with the, the black grayish cat, He's never been a problem at all. In fact, he likes the inside as much as he does the outside of the house. But in the last three weeks, uh, I've noticed that uh, he picks a couple spots out in the, in the one room, and they're probably about eight inches in diameter. And what he does is he pulls the nap off the carpet, uh, and it's kind of impressive if I wouldn't be so upset about it. But, uh, it, it, I mean, it's right down to the, um, the back of the carpet. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he pulls it out and he puts it all in a little pile, maybe about 10 to 12 inches away from the hole, from the, the area that he just made. And mm-hmm. um, he, um, so I, I don't know what's going on, I, I, but I do know that I repaired about five holes in the last two weeks uh, with extra carpet that I kept up in the... In the uh, I just want to make sure that I'm hearing you correctly because I'm having a little trouble hearing you today. Uh, okay. The dog is tearing up pieces. Oh, it's a cat. A cat is tearing up pieces of the carpet and putting it in a pile. Is that what yeah. you're saying? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yep. Exactly and, and is he doing anything with the area? Does he eliminate in the area that he's scratched up? No, he's not. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of impressive. It's just a, a nice little leap. Yeah, no, I get it too, man. I, <laughs> it's yeah. very thoughtful that he puts it all in a pile for you, so it's an easy well, cleanup. But yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's almost like he's proud of it that he wants you to see it. Yeah. Well, okay. Mm. So we have to look at what is the motivation for cats when they scratch carpeting or furniture, and really examine that. And you know, I think the piling up of the the carpet waste is is maybe a side issue. <laughs> But the really the motivation of why he's doing that for cats, there's a lot of reasons. Um, but one of the most common reasons that they might scratch the carpet or furniture is to mark their territory, and that's a combination of different things. So they've got a little you know, scent pads or the scent glands on their foot pads. So when they're actually scratching, they're actually dragging their scent over the area. And then you know there's also kind of that visual thing. So you know scratching up either um, you know lines along the, the back of your furniture or or, you know, in this situation, kind of grooming your carpet so that these pieces are coming out of it. Um, yeah. That's definitely both those possibilities um, could be playing a role with um, marking his um, territory, if you will. Okay. There are also cats that will do destructive behaviors with scratching that are driven more by anxiety. And sometimes we can run into this if we have multi-cat homes or if we have a cat that's a little bit stressed about, you know, being inside and having other cats outside that they can't access at a particular time. 
Um, it kind of makes me wonder if this guy does go in and outside, you know, that he may very well just kind of be marking his, uh, his, uh, pad, if you will. And, uh, so I would say my best recommendation, if he's going to remain to be an indoor outdoor cat, and that's a lifestyle that you're going to continue, that I think we really need to work on a couple things with the carpeted areas. Now, you can certainly replace all your carpet, but that's just giving him a brand new palette to work with, really. Mm-hmm. So I would certainly work on just some of those kind of humane um, aversions for the scratching behavior in these particular areas. And they may be something, um, I have some good luck with things like double-sided sticky tape, um, those plastic carpet runners that you run down the hallway so you preserve the, the, the tread on your carpet. If you flip those upside down and kind of put pieces of that in the particular areas, that can be just a kind aversion. So they step on it. They don't really like the feel of that. Um, so it helps to keep them away from that. But the most important thing that you have to do, go ahead. Right. I was going to say that'd be a lot of taping to do because the, the room itself is probably about fourteen by fifteen. Yeah. Maybe yeah. Right. So these are more the particular areas where he's currently demonstrating this behavior. So, you know, you can tr- certainly do your whole health like that. But you for these particular areas, because there's going to be a repetition that he's going to go back to that because he's already had that pattern of behavior. But the most important thing you have to do is in those areas, you have to give him an outlet. You have to give him an appropriate site that he can do these scratching behaviors because you won't stop them. Um, so that would be scratching like posts for some cats. Yeah. So other cats I have that they don't really dig scratching posts. They would rather have something like the corrugated cardboard um, toys, you know, where they have different uh, platform toys where there's the cardboard in it. So but you, you definitely need to find something. And, and sometimes then we'll add things like a catnip to the area to help entice them to use that and really reward him when you catch him using that and uh, you know talk to him sweetly and uh, give him treats all that kind of stuff but you, you have to give him nearby where he's doing this behavior give him some of those scratching outlets uh, yeah I was thinking uh, the environment outside has altered over here in northeastern United States significantly in the last two weeks with a snowstorm yeah so he wasn't mm-hmm. he didn't have access to outside as much as he usually does uh-huh. Um, and, and plus, it, it, some days we've had some bitter cold, and I, I just don't want him hanging out here that, that long. Yeah, uh, yeah, know, no. So, so I could try that, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I, I think you, you've got some things you can try there. And um, the, the big thing is that we have to you know, stop the pattern of this behavior because the more he does it, it's going to be harder to stop it. So, um, you know, your house may be a little bit in a raise <laughs> while you've got yeah. all these deterrents in certain areas. And, uh, you know, certainly supervise them. And, and I'm a fan of giving cats a lot of things to do. So if it means giving them perches, um, places they can look outside, um, you can do cat tunnels through your, your house, um, give them, you know, fun things things to do where you hide food in uh, boxes with little cutouts. Um, mentally and physically stimulated cats are less apt to be um, kind of bored and troublesome, especially if he's cooped up with the, the snow right now. <laughs> that would give him something to do. Yeah. It sounds like, uh, it sounds like something that would be worth a try because he's a good cat. You know, if he was only an indoor cat, then, you know, the other thing I would do is um, they have those little soft paws, which are the little nail caps that you can glue on, and that can help prevent <laughs> some destruction. I, Hal's laughing because I, I only, you know, I, I find it hard to do my own nails, you know, let alone my cat's nails <laughs> glue on. But for some folks, you know, that is a great tool to help decrease the destruction part of things. Thanks for your call, George. We appreciate it. Listening in Reading, Pennsylvania today on WEEU. Here's the number, toll-free, 1-866-405-8405. 
This portion of Animal Radio underwritten by VetraScience. Give your pets the extra support they need. From Glycoflex joint support to composure for pet stress, VetraScience has supplements for all your pet's needs. Thank you, VetraScience, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Those big, scary storms can be terrifying for your pet, and we know that when they're stressed, so are you. Take good care of your buddy with VetraScience Composure. VetraScience Composure helps ease anxiety for pets caused by storms, travel, and owner separation. It won't sedate them, and your pets will love the taste. Also, try our Glycoflex for hip and joint health, as well as multivitamins and probiotics. Find VetraScience supplements at your local pet store, Petco, or your vet. Learn more at VetraScience.com. It's Animal Radio. Coming up next hour, the monks of New Skeet, or as Judy so affectionately refers to them too, is the Skeets. Skeets. The Skeets. And of course, these guys, these monks, I should say, they are the epitome of trainers. They know how to train your dog, and they know how to, if they have some kind of bad behavior, they can quash that bad behavior immediately. In one of their books, brand new books, Let Dogs Be Dogs. By the Skeets. The We're skeets. calling them the yeah, skeets now. Them the skeets. Okay. <laughs> the skeets. I borrowed those books out to my sister when she got her dog. She didn't listen to a damn thing in them. And I said, I want the books back. Yeah. <laughs> like, You're not going to keep them. They're going to be joining us next hour right here on Animal Radio. If you happen to travel with your pet a lot, especially if you're going from state to state or country to country, we're going to have a, a doctor, a veterinarian from the USDA. And I understand that, Dr. Debbie, you have a, some kind of accreditation so that you can give USDA certificates for animals that travel abroad. Yeah, so um, veterinarians have to have an accreditation for the USDA to write um, certificates for, for pets for this kind of travel. But you know, there's a lot of things that go into traveling to foreign countries, um, and you really need to be prepared. And uh, so I'm looking forward to this segment because you know, that's the big thing: is knowing what, where you got to go, what diseases you got to be protected for for your pets, and uh, how much time you need. Yeah, some of these countries have quarantines. Yeah, they have a quarantine, or they have a rabies titer and a waiting period that you have to uh, follow. So that's a matter of like, it's very complicated on how many shots, rabies vaccinations your pet has had, um, their age, how long travel will be out down the road. Um, so, And then the testing and all that is very detailed. <laughs> okay, well, we'll find out all the details in just a couple of minutes right here on Animal Radio. Lori, what are you working on over there in the newsroom? Uh, still looking at the animal heroes from the recent hurricanes. And uh, one of them that we found out about is an Academy Award-winning movie star. Uh, who did more than their fair share? This was not a photo op. This was about a week of cleaning kennels and walking dogs. So it's a, a pretty good story. We'll tell you all about it. But first, your calls. Toll free, one 405 8405 Hi, Michelle. Hi there. How are you today? Very good. Where are you? I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. Beautiful Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah. 60-something degrees right now. Always humid there. How are your pets today? I got Dr. Debbie right here. Yeah, the the issue I'm having, we have a lot of, we have six dogs, we foster a lot, and our latest foster that has come in, she eats everything, not everything, but like she's devoured a half of a rug and swallows it. She doesn't just chew it and throw it out. And one night, she regurgitated a huge piece of foam rubber, 
and it was not even, you know, it was like she ripped and swallowed. It was in whole pieces. Okay, will, wow. Uh, any hard rubber toy, she'll eat it and swallow it. So the only thing I'm allowing her to have right now are mylar bones. Okay, and what does she do with those? Oh, she just chews on like the other dogs. Okay, so she doesn't actually ingest pieces of that then. Well, you know, it's, it, I, I'm sure she does, but it takes a long time to get a little piece off of it. So, so you it can holds up pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it holds up very well. Yeah, she doesn't get big chunks. I'm afraid she's going to have an instruction or something one day. What kind of she's dog also is she? A, uh, she's a part husky, and she also has. The, she also is obsessive with licking. Licking uh, herself or licking other things uh, in her environment? Uh, me, me, my husband, just <laughs> the hands, the legs, the clothes, everything. Lick, lick. Oh, yes. So this gal, she's got a high oral fixation. And huskies have a lot of energy. So we have a couple things that I would really direct you worth working on her. One is that um, getting her as tired as possible. Uh, an exhausted, physically exerted dog is less apt to look to um, behavior issues. Um, they're not as bored. Um, so I really try to get dogs that do this into some very strenuous physical activity um, playing ball um you know some dogs do wonderful going to doggy daycare where they interact and run with the dogs all day frisbee something where we actually get her and try to just exhaust her um, because then you may not have that same desire to go looking around the environment and picking up and chewing on things mm-hmm. did you ever catch her actually in the act of yes. chewing on things yes yes and if we catch her because we heard that we hear the slurping and I'll get up and run in there, oh, and she's in the middle of doing and there are no remnants anywhere. So there's about a third of it's gone, yeah, and it's just that one rug. It's not okay. every rug in the house, you know. Well, fortunately, because that would cost a, a mint in uh, carpeting there. Well, I think one big thing then, and it's probably very apparent, is that um, to keep her physically um, blocked off from that area because um, the more that she has that access and chews on that thing, that creates a sense of a positive reinforcement. She's finding some pleasure in that, uh, whether it's the pleasure of tearing and feeling that on her teeth or if it's just the sense of you catching her and then you yell at her and then she gets some attention in that way. So um, we need to make sure that we don't give her that access and that we don't inadvertently, by yelling at her, make this a a greater problem and compound that further. Um, And then you have the right idea with the bones, with the mylar bones. Um, And I would definitely look at, you know, some of the other types of... uh, I'm a fan of uh, the compressed rawhides. Um, They're not... You know, they'll, they'll eat them, but uh, they do last a long time, and especially a dog that has got a, a huge desire to chew gives them an outlet. Um, I always do that supervised, uh, you know, where your, your eye can kind of watch and make sure when it gets down to smaller pieces that you can take that away from them. Those are going to be the strategies that I'd really look at is keeping the access down, getting her physically tired and exhausted, and then giving her that positive uh, direction of what she can chew on. And then hopefully with a little bit of time and acclimating into the home, she'll follow suit with the other um, pets and, uh, you know, find a nice routine. Um, But you definitely need to nip this in the bud now. Good luck with things. I hope things turn around. And uh, if you have a question, give us a call here at Animal Radio, 1-866-405-8405. This healthy serving of Animal Radio is underwritten by the grain-free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats. Always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. Learn more over at RedBarnInc.com. And thank you, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. 
Nature at its best is nature at its simplest. At Red Barn, we've kept it simple for 20 years by concentrating on single-ingredient natural dog treats. Because Mother Nature's actually pretty good at this. Bones are just tasty bones. Meat treats are just nourishing meat. It's nature at its simplest. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Natural Treats. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our slow-roasted natural meaty bones. This is an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified and puts the treat into treatment. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit fearfreepets.com. I'm Lori Brooks. Hemp in pet products might soon be more difficult for you to find. Here's why. Utah's Department of Agriculture and Food has issued warnings to more than two dozen businesses asking them to stop manufacturing and selling what they call adulterated or misbranded commercial pet feed. Now, specifically, the letters ask them to refrain from future sales of hemp and hemp products in the state of Utah. But in addition to the 27 companies that Utah has put on notice, the department also sent warning letters to businesses in Canada, plus Texas, Colorado, and Washington have joined Utah in contacting manufacturers and retailers in their states that are known to distribute pet products that contain hemp. One pet food product store in Salt Lake City says hemp products are their number one bestseller, that people come in every single day searching for it. But the Department of Agriculture says hemp is not an approved ingredient for animal feed. But uh, we're going to have to wait and see how this plays out. While the letter that was sent to the company's request voluntary compliance, it also, in the same letter, threatens regulatory action should they not provide a written plan of corrective action in two weeks. Well, the heartbreak of the recent hurricanes in Texas and Florida it is heartbreaking exactly that, but it has really shown us a lot of animal heroes, don't you think? And uh, this one I'm going to tell you about now is a movie star, Academy Award winning actress Renee Zellweger, who showed up to help pets in Texas. Thank you, Renee. The founder of Houston Pets Alive says one busy morning after Hurricane Harvey struck and did all that devastating flooding, somebody tapped her on the shoulder and said, hey, just so you know, Renee Zellweger is over there cleaning out kennels and doing dog laundry. Wow. Sure enough, the woman turned around to see Renee Zellweger, who is also, by the way, a native Texan, quietly cleaning kennels. And this, friends, was not just a photo op for publicity. The rescue says that Zellweger was there for four days, not just a couple of hours while photographers could click pictures over there, but four days. She was cleaning crates, doing laundry, and walking dogs. And then she also volunteered for several more days with the group's sister organization, Austin Pets Alive. And after more than a week of volunteering, Zellweger flew home to Los Angeles with eight dogs that she is going to find new homes for. Mm. Pretty cool. Wow. I'm in love with her. Well, I was in love with her great. before, but uh, I'm really <laughs> in love with her now. I just thought that was so cool because, you know, so many of those things that we see in Hollywood and, you know, elsewhere are just photo ops. That clearly was not and speaks volumes about her. 
I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. The veterinarian isn't typically thought of as your pet's favorite place to go. With Fear Free, that all changes. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit FearFreePets.com. Hi, this is Iron Chef Cat Cora on Animal Radio. Please adopt a pet. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Fear Free. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified and puts the treat into treatment. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit FearFreePets.com. It's Animal Radio. And joining us, Dr. Catherine Prim, who has the honor of being the first Fear Free certified veterinarian. Is that correct? That is correct. I am the first fear-free certified professional in the nation. Well, that's I'm proud. I salute you for that. <laughs> I got to ask, why was it so important for you to be the first fear-free certified veterinarian? You know, I really felt like the fear and the anxiety and stress in my patients was impacting every part of my job, and I had longed for a way to make this better. But when I started to hear Marty Becker talking about the the whole fear-free idea, I thought it was a complete game changer. I couldn't wait to make it happen in my practice. Well, sure, because most of us think, at least the dogs, when I try to take them into the veterinarian, or at least 10 years ago when I tried to take them into the veterinarian, they, they pull. <laughs> they put the they, brakes on. They put the brakes on. I couldn't get them into the veterinarian. I couldn't even get them into the car. Uh, they knew what was going on. And then when they got there, it was just an unpleasant experience. But Fear Free has changed that experience now. When you go to a Fear Free vet, it's a whole different experience that they enjoy. And sometimes it's actually they put the brakes on when you try to get them out of the <laughs> veterinarian and uh, back into true. the car. That is absolutely true. And it makes my day so much better sure. for my patients to be happy to see me because I love animals. That's why I went to vet school. What, what's the first thing that you would notice if you went into a Fear Free vet? You know, I'm not sure there's any one thing that I could say because each pet is an individual and they appreciate different parts of all the things that we do. But in my online reviews, people very frequently mention that we give a whole lot of treats. So I tell my clients all the time, I'm not afraid to bribe my friends. <laughs> oh, what, one of Fear Free's quotes, which I love, is putting the treat into treatment. Why is treating important for a positive vet experience? If you think about the way memories are formed, you develop associations. And I tell people a lot, when I was 17, I worked at a toy store and I served as seasonal help at Christmas. And there is nothing like a huge toy department store at Christmas time. And the smell of that huge toy department store, even to this day, will trigger some associations for me. So we develop associations, and a fear-free veterinarian wants those associations to be good. They do the same thing when I get here to work. They put out donuts. They bring donuts every morning here to work, and that's actually why I show up now is because <laughs> I get these treats. What do you find that the pet owners like about fear-free? We know that the dogs and the cats love it, but what do you think the pet owners like about it? Well, I get a lot of really positive reviews on Google, and 
several of my clients have mentioned that they like the fact that I'm willing to get down on the floor with their pets (laughs) to do their examination and things. But I, I love that because then I really get to interact with the pet and I get to love them and pet them and cuddle them and make them feel comfortable. And that's the best part. Can you think of, and I'm sure there's lots of stories, but we only have time for one story. Give me one story that really shows how Fear Free made a difference. You know, I had the most amazing story, and it just happened recently. I was in a room with a client, and she had a new puppy, and it was here for its second visit. Really, really cute little puppy. And the client said, Dr. Prim, do you remember when I had my previous dog? I would always leave the room when you did things. And I thought about it. I really hadn't thought about it. But then I remembered that we had had an alert on her chart that that she liked to leave the room. So we all just assumed she was afraid of the needles. And she said, no, Dr. Prim, I I don't have a needle phobia. I had an, an anxious and horrible experience at a veterinary hospital as a child. And whenever I had to go to a veterinary hospital as a child, I would pass out. And she said, as an adult... I, I don't pass out anymore, but ever since you implemented these fear-free changes, I can be a part of my baby's health care, and I can stay in the room because I know she's going to have a good time, and I'm going to have a good time, and it has changed my life. She kind of got a little bit choked up telling me about it, and it gave me chills. It made such a big difference for her. Wow. So I'm assuming that you would recommend all veterinarians definitely become fear-free certified. Absolutely. I would never skip it. I would recommend it to anybody. Not only does it help my patients and it helps me be happier and I want to go into those exam rooms because it's fun again. It's also good for my business because of all the excellent reviews that we've gotten and all of the positive changes we've seen because of it. Is there a place where we can find out where all the fear-free certified veterinarians practice? Is there like a list somewhere? There is Actually, a searchable directory. So if you would like to find a fear-free certified professional in your area, you can go to fearfreepets.com and you can type in your zip code and it'll tell you if you have a fear-free certified professional in your area. And if you don't, then you could mention it to your veterinary hospital and your veterinary professionals and encourage them to do it. You know what I like about you is not only do you practice fear-free at your hospital there, but I think it it transcends to all parts of your life. I enjoy doing interviews with you. I have a (laughs) fear-free experience when I do an interview with you. Well, thank you. Dr. Catherine Prim, the website, if people want to learn more. It is fearfreepets.com. And you also are a resident vet for a couple of other websites. What are they? I am. I am the resident veterinarian at iheartdogs.com and iheartcats.com. So check it out. We'll put links to everything you've heard on today's show over at animalradio.pet. Doctor, thanks so much for spending time with us again. Hey, thanks for having me. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at animalradio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. This portion of Animal Radio was underwritten by Fear Free. The veterinarian isn't typically thought of as your pet's favorite place to go. With Fear Free, that all changes. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit FearFreePets.com. Hi friends, this is Dr. Marty Becker, America's veterinarian. After a traumatic experience at the veterinary office, have you ever thought to yourself, there has to be a better way? 
When your veterinarian is Fear Free certified, you'll find your pet's vet visit is safer, more comfortable, and actually enjoyable. Your dog will go from shaking in the lobby to pulling you into the exam room with a wagon tail, and your cat will be purring inside the carrier. To find a certified Fear Free veterinary near you, go to fearfreepets.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. It gives me great honor to present to you the dog father, Joey Villani, on Animal Radio. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How about you guys? Splendid. You're, uh, you're Skyping with us from the island of Hawaii. Yes, I am. I got up a little early this morning to, to do this because last night we met people from New Jersey and stayed out a little later than I probably should have. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so are you there for a conference or uh, what's, are you just vacationing? Well, I, it started out as, as a conference and then it turned into vacation. And I'll be quite honest with you. I don't know why I, I don't live out here now. It's, um, you know, it just makes perfect sense. See, one good thing about the dog grooming industry is you could take it anywhere because there's, you know, be- dog beauty needs to be done everywhere. So I believe it or not, I've been looking around saying maybe this is where home should be. So <laughs> are there a lot of dogs there in Hawaii? You know what? There are, um, you know, just like everywhere else. Um, you know, you have your hunting dogs. You got your small um, lap dogs. So it's it's the same it's the same variety you see everywhere. One thing though, I'm, I'm, that that I've noticed, there's a lot of cats all over. You know, feral cats, um, like that keeps the rat population down. And a little tidbit here: they brought mongoose on the island to keep the rats down, and then they found out that mongoose stay um, stay awake in the daytime and go to sleep at night. And the rats are nocturnal, so it was a it was a total failure. So they had to bring they had to bring the cats in. But that that being said, this is what brought my um, my tip on um, last night when we were you know um, walking about. We would, of course, like every we we always talk about our pets. Was talking about um, you know oral health, and um, this one woman asked me, you know, what's the best toothpaste? that I can use to brush my dog's teeth because my dog don't like the taste of Crest. And I started to laugh. And, and then, then I realized maybe a lot of people don't realize um, about the special toothpaste that we actually have to um, you know, use for our pets. Um, pet toothpaste is enzymatic, guys. And you know, when, when you put it in there, that's why people say, oh, you know, chicken flavor, because we're so conditioned that our, we have to have this minty, fresh breath toothpaste. The difference between ours and theirs is, 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 is actually twofold. Number one, we brush everything off of, our, off of the surface of our teeth and remove it, and that's how we keep our teeth healthy. Um, number two, pets don't do well with fluoride toothpaste, and it's also a little bit toxic because, you know, they're not rinsing, they're swallowing, all that. So the enzymatic toothpaste for pets actually adheres to the teeth, and it actually destroys, it eats away the bacteria and the germs. But it's something that has to be on a regimen, just like us, if you brush your teeth, you know, sporadically. A lot of people think when they go to the pet groom and they, they say to us, um, which I don't do it, I don't brush dog's teeth anymore um, in, in the salon. Actually, I haven't for years because I kind of felt like I was robbing somebody because um, I would do it once Let's just say, in a good case, once every four weeks. So if you think about it, 
once a month is it's all that's happening. This has to be done on a regular basis. You have to read the directions on the product you're using and how often you can use it because sometimes you, you can use it a little too often and some some say, you know, do it daily. And that's going to make a big a, a big difference at, at that point. But if you're going to your groomer, and groomers are going to hate me for saying this, but it's true, and it's once every eight weeks, six weeks, ten weeks, and they're charging you $20 to do it, um, you might as well just take that money and throw it in the garbage or just save it up and get a dentistry by a veterinarian. The other thing I want to talk about is is always have it done by a veterinarian, nobody else, because they have to polish that tooth out. And when you have, there's a lot of mobile clinics that come around, and they'll scale the teeth. The problem with that is it leaves the enamel wide open. It's like, I don't know if anyone understands when you paint a car. You sand the car down, wet sand it, and then they have to polish that out. So they have to almost seal it. Well, it's the same thing with the tooth. If you don't seal it, what ends up happening, you got these pearly white teeth now, but everything gets sucked right in like a sponge. So it makes it worse. So go to your veterinarian, have it done, follow up with the toothbrushing, and you know what? That's going to make that great haircut that you have. You're going to have those nice pearly white teeth, and you know what? Your pet's going to look great. Good advice from the dog father, Joey Villani, calling us from uh, Hawaii as he sits back drinking a Mai Tai. <laughs> Not yet. It's How too early. How me, Joey? Yeah. Yeah. This portion of Animal Radio, underwritten by Brilliant Pad, the world's first self-cleaning dog potty. It automatically replaces a soiled pad with a fresh, clean one so your home stays odor-free. And you never have to touch, see, or smell yucky pads again. Learn more over at BrilliantPad.com. And thank you, Brilliant Pad, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. An Indiana family credits the family cat in saving their lives from a deadly gas. Eric and Kathy Kiesling say their 14-year-old cat named Winnie played a crucial role in saving their lives after a gasoline-powered water pump in their basement caused deadly carbon monoxide fumes to build up. The family was sleeping soundly when Winnie began nudging Kathy's ear and meowing loudly. Kathy described Winnie's unusual meowing as crazy, almost like she was screaming. When she reluctantly got up, she realized she was nauseous and dizzy and couldn't wake her husband up. Eric had undergone minor neck surgery the day before, so she decided to call 911. And good thing she did, paramedics found their 14-year-old son, Michael, unconscious on the floor of his bedroom, and they treated the whole family for carbon monoxide poisoning. The Kieslings are lucky to be alive, but not surprised that Winnie came to their rescue. They say she also alerted them to a tornado last summer. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Are people to Animal Radio. We can't tell you why canine caviar is the only alkaline-based dog food, but we can tell you alkaline is proven to minimize the risk of renal failure and pancreatitis, reduce scratching, cellular degeneration, and disease, keeping your furry friend youthful and healthy longer. And those are the reasons we can fit into this short commercial. But by visiting caninecaviar.com, you'll see exactly what we do to make a better food for your dog. Try the one and only alkaline dog food risk-free. Canine Caviar. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio. 
featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And this hour, the monks of New Skeet will be joining us, in particular, Brother Christopher, and they have a brand new book out. These guys can train your dog like nobody's business, and uh, they're just around the corner right here. What are you working on over there, Lori? I found uh, there's a woman who actually is the like executive director, the head honcho of a animal shelter in Florida. And as the uh, hurricane was coming towards her, she's like, oh, my gosh, she's got all these animals. So she and her family spent the night in the shelter, actually spent two nights in the shelter. We'll tell you her story. That's on the way. Are you practicing? Are you practicing on your baby talk? I, you know, I've practiced and I failed miserably. I, I just, it just doesn't come out of my mouth right. I can't do baby talk. I can't do a high voice. You I'm don't not, have to do I'm a high voice. I'm not doing it. Oh, come on, guys. <laughs> not doing it. Participation oh, is everything. Come on, you can do it. You can do it. Who's a good boy? Who's my good boy? Who's my good boy? Yeah, you can do it. I, uh, I saw That's a video good. that you posted from your clinic over at the uh, Facebook page. You're teaching your staff to talk baby talk to the animals. Why is that? Well, because it actually can help calm pets. Um, so used in the right way, it's a way to bond with the animals when they come in. A little bit of a distraction, and it gives them things that they're used to at home. Because over 90% of our pet owners actually do baby talk their pets, even if you don't admit it. So it's a way for them to feel at home when they're not at home. You said used in the right way. How could we really screw this up? <laughs> well, point, certain, <laughs> there are certain situations where baby talk can actually um, make an anxious pet more anxious and less um, likely to either perform a task or to behave in a positive manner. So some dogs that say, you know, are really high strung, say so just like think of like a Jack Russell Terrier, um, when you actually amp things up and get them really excited, they actually have shown that they don't focus on performing tasks in the same way, and they'll fail. So you actually can make them kind of choke. <laughs> so, yeah, so they actually can do better in a calm, you know, even kind of positive tone uh, without all the, uh, you know, the high-pitched squeakiness. Okay, so how do we talk baby talk to our animals? What are, what are the, what are the uh, steps? Okay, so the first things that I always tell people are you're either going to make a question or a statement. So have that in your mind. You're going to ask, are you a good boy? Or that's mama's handsome boy. Do you like you know, it when is... I talk baby talk? Is it, is <laughs> yeah, that, is that sure. Close? That, that works. <laughs> whatever. So there's a question or a statement. It doesn't matter. It's whatever feels right. Uh, then I usually tell people, pick an attribute, something about the animal, something truthful that comes to mind. They've got nice looking eyes, beautiful hair coat, they're so smart, um, you know, they're kind of a fun personality, and then you use it and go with it, you know. What pretty eyes you have. How's my fuzzy wuzzy little girl? How's my fuzzy wuzzy little girl? <laughs> See, they, there you did it. How's my fuzzy wuzzy little girl? <laughs> Lori, i got to hear you try it at least. Go ahead, Lori. Oh, I'm so bad at it. Um, uh, if I can do it, you can do it. Uh, that's good, Roro. Roro's over there. Roro, are you my good boy? Are you my good boy, baby? You see, that's pretty good. Okay. That's good. That is pretty good. Okay, that jo is good. Joey? Oh, what a good boy. Good boy. Come here, baby. Come here. you got to have a high-pitched voice, right, Dr. Yeah, you got to raise it. Well, you know, baby talk, there's three basic characteristics. We slow down our voice, we get high-pitched, and we repeat ourselves. And if you all think about what you just said, we kind of repeated what we said. You're a good boy. Aren't you a good boy? And that's actually because this is how babies learn. When they hear things over and over, and we're talking human babies, it helps to develop their language 
and cognitive development. And researchers think this is also helpful for dogs to learn the meaning of words and to bond with people. Does it matter what you say? Yes and no. So dogs really do understand the meaning of certain words. And, you know, if you look at, you know, brain studies where they do the MRIs of awake dogs, they actually do. The left side of their brain focuses on what the word means. And the right side is actually more processing the tone of the voice. So you get the best power for your uh, requests or commands when you add in that vocal tone along with the command. So you're saying, that's a good boy. Come here. So you can't just say, who's the big monster that's going to steal all your toys? Who's the big monster? Depends what your goal is. If you're trying to get them to just pay attention, wag their tail, and give you some affection, that's fine. But if you're actually trying to get them to do something like... Uh, a lot of times we'll use um, good boy, and we'll use that in training as a way to, as a positive reinforcement. So we're using that high-pitched tone. So it doesn't necessarily matter, like, what you're saying along with it. You're just given that those few words that they understand, and the, the way you deliver it really gives that mm. power of the punch. So you say the, the way we deliver it, does my body language matter if I'm standing there, you know, with my arms crossed? Yeah, so you do want to follow it up with action. So you want to do something else. So generally, if you think you're sitting in front of a baby, your eyes get really big and wide. Your arms may open up. You make encouraging body motions. So, so, and we smile. So those are things, too, that when you're doing baby talk, that it really helps to give that full message to the pet. Now, when you're doing training and you're, you're giving, uh, like a reward or praise, rather, after they have completed some command successfully, I feel like Tater doesn't, um, like he's kind of bored with the good boy, good boy in the yeah, hunt. Yeah, well, you know, there's different motivators for different dogs. And this is actually something I'm struggling with with Nikki because I have a dog that plays with toys but isn't really motivated by toys. She likes food, but after a while, food kind of loses its punch. So for her, I have to really mix it up. And I'm almost like, you know, almost like trying to please a cat um, where I'm like giving her a treat and then I'm giving her a toy and then I'm giving her a chance to chase me. Um, so there's a lot of different things that I have to pull out for her. But, yeah, you got to kind of know your pet. And not every pet um, does baby talk really kind of get them amped up and really seem like a positive thing for them. Yeah, what if your dog just stares at you? Just uh, <laughs> like, why, why is she doing that to me? Well, I mean, it depends. Puppies, we know that puppies are definitely going to respond to baby talk. It's just the way that they're wired. It really kind of goes back to some of the breeds and their overall um, baseline arousal. So, you know, that Jack Russell Terrier that I mentioned is already kind of high strung. So, you know, talking them up really excited isn't going to really get them very excited. So you may have to find other things as rewards, so treats um, um, or other things. And, you know, that calm service dog type Labrador, you actually need um, some high-pitched squeakiness to make them a little bit more excited and driven to do something successful. So, yeah, you just got to kind of know your pet, know what works. And then when I always tell people is sometimes it really doesn't matter the response of the audience. It's how you're feeling because you're generating that emotion to your pet. And, you know, we may be looking for a clap and applause from them. <laughs> but, you know, if they still put their head on your shoulder when you're sitting there baby talking them or they lick your hand, you know, you're still getting some good there. What about cats? Do cats like it? Well, <laughs> no, cats just do what the heck they want. But, you know, really, we're, we're measuring different things. We're looking for bodily responses of a dog um, to our emotions. And cats, we know, just they didn't really domesticate by having a benefit of showing out their emotions. They're very guarded in that way. So it may help, again, with that relationship with your cat. But it's I wouldn't expect that it's going to change their behavior and make them compelled to listen to you. <laughs> 
So is baby talk unique to humans or do other species speak in a high-pitched bark or growl or whatever to their own babies? Yeah, you know, people are not the only species that do baby talk. Really? Um, cause, yeah, so it was really, when you talk about this tone, the high-pitched tone across different mammal species, um, it is associated with behavior that it promotes group integrity. So it promotes the species to cuddle together, to groom each other. And when you hear, when they hear low-pitched tones, it's more associated with behavior that is in a threatening nature. So there's actually research, you can look across the board, I, and, and I know of research in zebra finches and in rhesus macaques where they've actually found that the mothers slow down their voices and raise the pitch raise the tone of their vocalizations while they're teaching their young that they don't do this at other times so they're doing baby talk okay if you want to talk to dr debbie right now and you can talk in regular talk but extra points if you talk in baby talk (laughs) toll free 1-866-405-8405 you're such a good listener uh, there you went back to Adam Sandler. <laughs> You're such a good listener. Are you a good listener? You're a good listener. Are you a good listener? You know, Hal, you could also drop the Adam Sandler, and you could try to go for Scooby-Doo. I don't remember Scooby. I remember Shaggy. Scooby-Doo. Oh, Scooby-Doo. No, Scooby-Doo. That, I, How about Yogi Bear? Boo-boo. There you yeah, go. See? So it's still a kind of a cool little voice. It doesn't have to be that high-pitched baby. Put your dog into your doggy. This portion of Animal Radio, underwritten by Brilliant Pad, the world's first self-cleaning dog potty. It automatically replaces a soiled pad with a fresh one so your home stays clean and odor-free. With Brilliant Pad, you never have to see, touch, or smell the yuck again. You can learn more over at BrilliantPad.com. And thanks, Brilliant Pad, for underwriting Animal Radio. Hey, it's Alan Cable with another dog tip. I go to the dog park a lot. Sometimes I even bring my dog. And I see people there communicating with their dogs like they would another person. Talking to them like they're human. There's nothing wrong with that. But just so you know, your dog has no idea what you're saying. Your dog will never learn how to speak or act like a human. But you can definitely learn to speak dog. Your dog watches you a lot. He's studying your body language. Do you carry yourself like a strong, confident, and compact leader? Or do you get frazzled easily? Your dog is very sensitive to your state of mind. Dogs are always trying to find their place to find themselves within a pack. If you're a strong, confident, secure pack leader, you make that job a lot easier for your dog. So your dog will be much calmer. We've all seen the dogs at the park that are barking constantly and acting like nervous wrecks. That's because they are. Most of the time, dogs like that have been forced into the position of being the pack leader. And that's just not comfortable for them. They need you to step up and be the pack leader. And how do you do that? Well, by learning to speak dog. Your dog watches what you do. He's not concerned with your words. So if he enters the house first, he's in charge. If he walks ahead of you on a leash, he's in charge. If he disrespects your space or other folks and jumps on you, he's in charge. If you let him bark like crazy and run amok, he's in charge. The question is, how do you become the pack leader? It all starts with leash training and knowing how to give your dog a correction and only praising for the desired behavior. When he doesn't, you ignore him or you correct him. What is a correction? Pretty much it's like a tap on the shoulder. You're redirecting the dog's attention, putting him in the frame of mind you want him to be in. It's really important that you walk 
walk your dog, get all that energy out. It'll make them calmer and easier for you to train. You want them to walk at your side or behind you, not in front. Let your arm be relaxed down at your side. No tension. With a little slack so that you can flick your wrist when you need to and cause a correction. Of course, you're going to need a choke chain or something similar. You might have to correct him many times before he gets the idea he needs to walk right by your leg and not pull. But he will get the idea. Use the heel command a lot. Just that one word. Just be consistent. Don't lose your patience. Be calm. Those big, scary storms can be terrifying for your pet. And we know that when they're stressed, so are you. Take good care of your buddy with VetraScience Composure. VetraScience Composure helps ease anxiety for pets caused by storms, travel, and owner separation. It won't sedate them, and your pets will love the taste. Also, try our Glycoflex for hip and joint health, as well as multivitamins and probiotics. Find VetraScience supplements at your local pet store, Petco, or your vet. Learn more at VetraScience.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. What's your favorite animal show? Who's your favorite animal show? Is this your favorite animal show? I'm working on my baby talk. It's. <laughs> I don't know if I'm getting any further uh, it just takes practice it so. does take practice if you want to call in you don't have to talk baby talk but you get extra points if you do toll free one 405 8405 to talk to dr debbie or to joey villani and uh, we're just moments away from the monks of new skeet here on animal radio or as uh, judy's referring to them the skeets the skeets that would be like their band if they had a band we're the skeets <laughs> Lori, what are you working on over there? Uh, I was just uh, looking at this uh, a couple of weeks ago, this journal, Psychiatry Research. And there is this new study out on the differences between hoarders, you know, like the TV show people who collect things, objects, you know, just things, and, and people who collect animals you know when you get hear those horrible news stories about all these you know animal hoarders and they've got hundreds of animals in one location but it's not the same thing so they're actually studying this more we'll tell you what they found is the differences between thing object hoarders and animal hoarders and how they hope to help them now dr debbie i have a question for you i have a friend who uh uh huh. A friend. Yeah, I have a friend who has yeah. a, a, a lot of animals, and uh, but they're able to take care of all of the animals. They're able to provide veterinary care and uh, all the medical attention that they need. Are they hoarders just because they have fifteen cats? You know, the number of animals isn't the determining factor. You can be a hoarder and have you know sixteen cats or sixteen dogs, but you can also be a well-providing family. It just really depends on the level of ability. I hate to say financial, but because there are you know financial costs uh, with medical care but there's also the time do you have time uh, are you spending quality time with these animals or are they just running amok in your yard and in your house so all of those things kind of go together um, that you have the resources to care for them and the time and th- that they're not being neglected what if i just had four cats and i didn't have the time or the resources uh, is that just too many cats Am I a hoarder then? Well, I mean, it might be hard to label them as a hoarder, but yeah, it might be more than your resources can provide for. And in those situations, you know, there can actually be neglect situations that are just, people are just not informed as to the level of um, uh, care that's not being provided and how that can be such a detriment to their health and to the mental well-being. Hallett, in this study... Um, they found the average hoarder of the 33 hoarders they studied, the average hoarder had 41 animals. Holy moly. 
Okay, so if you're looking down at your radio and saying, and then you're looking up over at your 42 cats, <laughs> and then you're looking back down at the radio, we'll tell you if you're a hoarder coming up here on Animal Radio in just a couple of minutes. Yeah. Uh, I suspect if you're listening to Animal Radio and you take care of your animals that you're not, but mm-hmm. we'll find out. Yeah, not a hoarder. Well, you know, I have... I was renting my house one time in Utah after I left Utah, and I had somebody contact me, and they wanted to know if they could rent with their animals. And I thought, well, I'm pet friendly. Sure. But when they told me they had 25 cats, and I realized, because I know what I do, I tell my landlord half of what I have. I say I have two cats when I have four, so I only assumed that they probably had about 50 cats. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's probably a hoarding situation there. Yeah. Did you end up renting to them? No, I, I, I had to draw the line. That was just too many. <laughs> well, you'd have to have 25 or 50 litter boxes. You'd have to have time to clean each of those uh. every day. So the person would not be employed. So yeah, there's a lot of factors <laughs> to consider. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we're going to find out more about hoarding in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. Toll free one eight six six four zero five eight four zero five to reach out to the Dream Team. This portion of Animal Radio underwritten by Vetra Science, just like their owners. Our pets get older. If they're like me, their joints stiffen up and jumping for joy is more difficult. I'm jumping a lot less these days. Glycoflex hip and joint supplements from Vetra Science help support joint health in your pets. And we thank Vetra Science for supporting Animal Radio. Hey, Roy. Hi, how are you today? Very good. How are you? Good. You sound so cheery. Good. I have a little three-year-old chihuahua. His name is MacGyver. <laughs> and I, like I buy him, I try to try not to feed him uh, any food with uh, corn, uh, wheat, or soy in it. So I got the uh, the buffalo blue. He's been eating that for several years, but he, he doesn't really eat it. Like he'll, he'll go to the bowl, he'll eat it, he'll, have, he'll take one kibble, turn away, chew it, come back, chew another one, go, go back. And he'll do that maybe a couple times, and then he'll stop eating it. I'm wondering if, like, is there anything I can mix in with it that he'll eat the kibbles and everything? Or so, maybe I mean, I'll leave that up to you to decide. Yeah, and, you know, I guess I I would make that decision based a little bit on what he's looking like and if he's eating that food during the day. So if he's in good body condition and he's just a grazer and he likes to pick up that one kibble, walk away, and nibble, that's fine with me. Some some pets, that is just their pattern of eating. And so especially if he's in good weight or if he's on the heavy side, I don't think we need to necessarily encourage appetite in those situations. And, and I would just let him have his normal eating style. But we would want to make sure that there isn't some undetected health problem that could be causing him to not eat so eagerly. So if he were here in front of me, the first thing I would do is look in his mouth. Chihuahuas notoriously can have some problems with their teeth. If we've got any bum teeth in there, we need to address that and make sure that those are taken care of. Well, that is true because he did have uh, two extracted like about seven to eight months ago. Might be a reason just to take another peek in there. Um, But there are some other things that will cause a dog to not be a a hearty eater, and they're kind of more internal, inflammatory bowel disease, or even some liver problems. You know, those kind of things can also cause them to kind of be off on their food. So if he's losing weight or skinny and not eating well, then that would take us in a different direction where we'd talk about doing more like lab work to um, determine what might be going on there. Well, Well, thank you very, very much for answering my question. I really do appreciate that. My pleasure. Toll-free, 1-866-405-8405 to reach out to Dr. Debbie. This portion of Animal Radio, underwritten by Vetra Science. Give your pets the extra support they need. From Glycoflex joint support to composure for pet stress, Vetra Science has the supplement for all your pet's needs. Thank you, Vetra Science, for underwriting Animal Radio. (laughs) 
All dogs should eat a pH-balanced alkaline diet. An alkaline diet reduces health risks and can also reduce scratching, shedding, and hot spots. So does this mean you need to check your dog's pH balance? No, because canine caviar has created the first and only alkaline dog food that is pH-balanced. It also has the highest metabolized calories. What does this mean? Your dog needs to eat less. Get a healthier dog and save money with Canine Caviar products. Find them at your local pet supply store or online at caninecaviar.com. This is an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified and puts the treat into treatment. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit fearfreepets.com. I'm Lori Brooks. Hoarders, you've probably seen the TV show too, but hoarders are people with a disorder that causes them to collect objects, things. But people who collect things and objects are not the same as people who collect animals. There is a new study out, which was actually published in the journal Psychiatry Research, and this study takes a look at the motivations of people who hoard animals. Why do they do it? This study suggests that animal hoarding should be classified as an independent disorder, not necessarily the same as somebody who hoards things. And they're hoping that that is true uh, so that they can develop specialized treatments to help these animal hoarders cope with their compulsion to collect animals. Animal hoarders, of course, acquire and live with dozens and sometimes even hundreds of creatures in their homes, and that causes a lot of suffering for both the hoarder and the animals, and it's unsanitary because uh, they're usually living in very poor conditions. The animals often lack adequate food and medical treatment, and though this may seem similar to object hoarding, this study says there really are several differences that may influence future treatments for animal hoarders. Object hoarders, for example, are pretty much evenly split between men and women, 50-50. But when it comes to animal hoarders, 73% of animal hoarders are women. Uh, Their motivations also differ. For example, when you talk with object hoarders, they talk about hoarding objects because, you know, I might need this one day. I could need this next week. I can still use this. But with animal hoarders, they found that the animal hoarders' thoughts are, these animals need me and I need them. It's also, by the way, more difficult to help animal hoarders. And and that's because they are really very, very suspicious. And they believe that those who want to help them and help the animals are really there to steal the animals. So it just makes everything difficult. But the study showed the average hoarder had 41 animals. But for the study, they had 33 animal hoarders that they studied. When you put all of them together... Together, they had acquired a total of 915 dogs, 382 cats, and 50 ducks. And one of those hoarders alone had over 170 dogs. Wow. Did you say ducks? uh, Ducks. Bad ducks, too. Yeah. (laughs) Some some have rabbits and other critters. But in the United States, this is a big problem, and especially as the population ages because it's more common among the elderly and people who are single, perhaps a spouse has died. But authorities discover in the U.S. between 900 and 2,000 cases of animal hoarding every year, and that's impacting about 250,000 
dog, cats, and other creatures and some pretty sad lives. Wow. I had a client that was a, a hoarder, and um, and she was sweet as pie, wonderful. She tried what she could within her resources, but it was obviously well beyond what she could handle. And in the end, um, thankfully, uh, somehow she did get help. Um, I think authorities came in, and uh, we kind of helped her bail bail her out, get you know get the herd kind of thinned out. And there's so many different things that were going on. There was respiratory disease like crazy to the level I have never seen in cats. But the high-density living that they, the cats were living was was causing a lot of behavioral problems, the social stress and anxiety, and that weakened their immune system. So cats that normally get respiratory disease get congested. I saw cats that had plaques in their mouth. Um, their mm. eyes were just sealed shut. I mean, they were so sick to that level that once we got them separated, we were able to treat many of them, and they could recover. But you would have thought they were dying when we mm-hmm. saw them. Mm-hmm. It was really amazing. Wow. All right, lighter subject. Okay. I know all of you guys are very conscious about picking up after your pet when you're out on walks, especially you, Judy, being a dog walker. You know what? I, um, I have poop bags in every one of my pockets, on my pants, and my does. jacket. Every time I put on something, I put my hand in there, and there's poop bags all over the place. Well, I'm with of you. Of course, because you're good. <laughs> a lot of people are not so good at picking up their animal's poop. Everybody has, has strong thoughts on people who do not clean up after their pets. That is everyone except for the person who isn't cleaning it up. In Memphis, Tennessee, for example, there was this couple out walking their dog. I don't know if you guys saw this online, social media, but when they saw a sign in a yard, the woman took a picture, immediately posted it to social media, gained a lot of attention. But the sign said, please do not leave your huge piles of poop here anymore. And then there you were. She had plastic bags attached to the signpost. And it worked. It's been two weeks already and things are going great. So that might be something that you can try. But in Memphis, pet owners uh, really need to watch out because the city, like a whole lot of other cities around the country, has an ordinance which makes it illegal. You're you're a, an offender. <laughs> illegal for pet owners to leave a pet's poop on public or private property. And, of course, in this day and age of technology, and seems like everybody has a security camera, there are a lot of people who, you know, observe this being done. They will know exactly whose dog pooped in their yard, so just pick it up. This has been an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. The veterinarian isn't typically thought of as your pet's favorite place to go. With Fear Free, that all changes. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit fearfreepets.com. Join Fido Friendly Magazine with presenting sponsor Petco Foundation for the ninth annual cross-country pet adoption tour. Get your licks on Route 66. Brought to you by media sponsor Animal Radio, car sponsor Legends Car Rentals, companion sponsor Evercare, and safety sponsor Sleepy Pod. The tour stops at shelters from L.A. to Chicago to support adoption events and raise money with the help of advocate sponsors Pet Curian and Buddy Belts, community sponsors Tito's Handmade Vodka, Play-Doh Pet Treats, Zeus Dog Toys, Hands-On Gloves, Canaday, and Lucy Pet Products. Check out FidoFriendly.com to see where the tour stops in a city near you, and you might just find your new forever friend. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Yeah, when it comes to training your dogs, there's no higher authority than the monks of New Skeet. And uh, joining us right now, in fact, is Brother Christopher. Hi, Brother Christopher. How are you doing? 
I'm doing really well. How are you today? Splendid. You guys have a new book out, don't you? Yes, we do. It's called Let Dogs Be Dogs. Let Dogs Be Dogs, because maybe sometimes we make them kind of human-like, don't we? (laughs) I think that that's a a characteristic of uh, a lot of owners' experience in, uh, in today's world. Yeah. For instance, Judy, she dresses up her dog. Uh, only when it's, <laughs> wait a minute, when it's cold, I put clothing on her to keep her warm. Well, just this last weekend, you were looking at a leather dress. I, but did I buy it? No, you didn't buy it. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to. Well, with certain breeds, obviously, uh, in colder weather, uh, uh, apparel to keep them warm is, is, is certainly in order, but. Thank you. Uh, things do tend to get out of control, uh, when, uh, dogs are walked in baby carriages and birthday parties are given and, you know, any number of other uh, things that sort of take things over the top in terms of projecting human uh, uh, values and, and, and likes onto the dogs in ways that that basically take the dog away from uh, the dog's own nature. And I think one of the things that we really tried to emphasize in our new book uh, is a way to understand the true nature of a dog because once uh, owners, once readers really get an insight into the real nature of the dog, then they can uh, sort of put into place an approach that really helps them realize the dream that they always uh, had in getting a dog in the first place. Sure. You uh, emphasize in the book that we need to become the pack leader. We need to be strong figures for our dogs. Yeah, I think that that's one of the things that often people misunderstand about the concept of leadership. And what we're talking about, let's emphasize, is benevolent leadership. But at the same time, dogs are pack animals. And given pack animals, they're very sensitive to social hierarchies and uh they're sensitive to the need for leadership in the relationship with their human owners. And uh, I think a lot of people somehow are afraid that if their leader, uh, if they're a leader to their dog, it's going to make the dog not like them. When in point of fact, uh, just the opposite is true. So long as uh, the leadership is exercised in an appropriate, benevolent, an enlightened way. Uh, when dogs understand what the expectations are, when they're able to uh, to be placed in uh, a relationship that is structured and fair and also full of encouragement and praise, well, then uh, basically dogs calm down and uh, we see the relationship flourish. So it's it's not being domineering or tough or unfair. It's just showing authority. Is yeah, that... yeah. I think that you know an analogy would be uh, in a human relationship: a parent and the child. Okay, a parent needs to exercise appropriate leadership in the relationship with a child. Uh, they have to make sure that the child understands expectations and boundaries. Uh, and when that's in place. What we find happening is, you know, a well-behaved child, a child that is able to uh, uh, to grow up and uh, uh, and actually enjoy life. Children want that sort of guidance, and you know, when we take a look into our own relationships with dogs, I think our experience suggests dogs 
really look for that from us as well. We are with Brother Christopher of the Monks of New Skeet, and we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to find out about the holidays, which just around the corner, I always have trouble at Halloween and Thanksgiving and Christmas. Oh, with all the people coming. Yeah, we're going to find out some solutions coming up next right here on Animal Radio. Stick around. In today's automotive news, Audi show off a car that you can't drive. It has no steering wheel or pedals. However, it's just a design concept with four doors and the space for four passengers. And passengers are the key, as this is a demonstration of Audi's new driverless car. This latest technology demonstrates a combination between innovation in driver suspension, digitalization, and sustainability in a visionary manner. It will be able to cover up to 500 miles on a single charge. If you want to see the 26-inch wheels and this concept, go to ourautoexpert.com. I'm Nick Miles. Get away the Italian way in the new Fiat 124 Spider. With up to 164 horsepower and 184 pound-feet of torque, the Spider is the perfect performance vehicle to rev up for a top-down kind of summer. Visit your local Fiat dealer today. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. We are with Brother Christopher of the Monks of New Skeet. Real briefly, what uh, what is the Monks of New Skeet? What do you guys do? The monastery is an Eastern Orthodox monastery in Cambridge, New York. It was founded in 1966, and uh, we're a contemplative monastery. Uh, we're made up of nine monks uh, who live... Uh, uh, on the property where I am right now. And then we also have uh, our sister community, the nuns of Newskeet. They live three and a half miles from the monastery, and they bake cheesecakes. Anyway. <laughs> they, don't, they don't train cats, I was thinking. No, they don't train cats. So uh, Halloween is just around the corner for us here, and it's, it's a time of the year where it, it drives my dogs crazy. <laughs> because, you know, when the doorbell rings normally, the dog goes crazy. Right. But when the doorbell rings over and over, and then the person on the other side of the door is a freaky-looking character, <laughs> what what do you suggest I do for the uh, dogs during Halloween? Well, you know, the first step is to ensure that a peaceful experience uh, occurs. For that to happen, you have to practice ahead of time, well before the event of October 31st. What you need to teach your dog is... Uh, first, how to go to the door, for example, on leash, and how to sit politely uh, when no one has rung the bell, for example, okay, so that uh, the dog has a sense of your own leadership. Now, next, what you can do is begin to expand this by teaching a command that we call place or go to bed. Either one is is, is fine. But basically what you're trying to do is establish in the dog's mind uh, a place that they go to uh, when you give that command. Now, naturally, you, uh, you establish that in a non-distracted way uh, you know, initially, uh, but with practice, bringing the dog, taking the dog over to either the dog bed or a small little pallet, uh, uh, when you give that command following it with perhaps a high-value treat so that the dog associates going to that particular spot uh, as being something very preferable and, and enjoyable. You can make a game out of it even. And all this, mind you, 
uh, ahead of time without distractions. Now, once the dog has that uh, general concept in its mind, now what you can do is start maybe having uh, one of your children, for example, uh, be the quote-unquote visitor who rings the doorbell, and you establish practice sessions where the doorbell rings, the dog begins to, to go nuts, but now you have the foundation where you're able to get the dog under control by putting it, the dog into sit and then giving the dog the place command, uh, making sure the dog goes over to the place, uh, is rewarded for that. Uh, and part of teaching place is the fact that uh, they stay on place until you release uh, them. Now, eventually, once you've taught your dog to sit and wait, you can maintain that uh, and give him, for example, a, a treat so long as he holds the uh, the sit-stay on, on place. Uh, and, you know, if you prepare well in advance, the dog will be very uh, responsive in the face of the distractions that inevitably will come on Halloween. Hmm. So we need to start now on yeah, that. Yeah, I got it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Got... Don't wait. I mean, you know, it's really important for people to think of what the situation is going to be uh, and then deal with it proactively. That's, you know, what training is. That's only fair to the dog. If you train it uh, uh, so that the dog understands what the expectations are, uh, in that particular circumstance, when the doorbell rings, for example, uh, then the dog can be much more cooperative and much more peaceful with it because they've had plenty of practice uh, uh, to do what your expectation is. And they get rewarded for doing what sure. what you've trained them to do. Sure. I have so many questions, but we are so out of time here. I want to encourage listeners to pick up uh, the book, Let Dogs Be Dogs. Let Dogs Be Dogs, the latest from the Monks of New Skeet. And I'm sure a lot of these questions that I have still are answered. In, in oh, the yeah. Book. yeah. It's, uh, you know, one of the things that I would say, uh, with we did this, we wrote this book with our co-author, Mark Goldberg. He's a su superb trainer and a very good friend. But in this book, there are an awful lot of stories, case histories, uh, plenty of uh, uh, wisdom. And uh, I would say it's very much in line with our other books, but it has a very unique perspective, and I know your readers will really benefit from uh, the mindset that the book communicates. Absolutely wonderful. Do we have giveaways? Yes, Judy? we do. We have ten giveaways. Not nine giveaways. Nine giveaways. <laughs> Great. <laughs> if you're uh caller one through nine right now at uh, toll-free at 1-866-405-8405, you'll pick up Let Dogs Be Dogs, Understanding Canine Nature and Mastering the Art of Living with Your Dog from the... The, the Monks of New Skeet and Mark Goldberg, they've uh, collaborated on this. If you're not lucky enough to get on through, head on over to your favorite bookstore or Amazon and pick up the latest book from the Monks of New Skeet. Brother Christopher, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you very much, Hal. It's been a pleasure being with you. Thank you. Well, it has just flown by once again. Remember, if you need your fix during the week, it's so easy. Head on over to animalradio.pet. Or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. A great app you should have anyway, just in case there's any kind of recalls or news that affects you and your pets. You'll find out immediately on your smartphone. Have yourself a great week. Bye-bye. Who's a good listener? Who's a good listener? We love our good listener. Bye-bye. <laughs>
This is Animal Radio Network.